Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. I'm kind of freaking out. Why? Elliot starts preschool <laughs> on Tuesday. Ah! I Is he going full time? Yes. This time, I'm so nervous for my sister. Well, for me too, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's all crazy because, like, you know, they've been doing all the things to try to prep him, like potty training and socializing where they can. And there's some habits that I hope he breaks week one. Or <laughs> yeah, but like right now, he thinks. To go potty, you have to take your shoes and your pants entirely off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not that he can't go to the bathroom <laughs> with mm -hmm. a little assistance, but the wanting to be naked. <laughs> and I find that so funny. So Penny is that way, just full on naked all the time. Our nephew, though, she's naked inside. Like she's been naked outside a couple times, but it still it kind of freaks her out. And she's a little bit older. Our nephew, who's three, <laughs> loves being naked and playing outside naked. And he's like a very adventurous child. And his latest extravaganza was he goes outside and plays naked. He takes off his clothes. He goes outside, takes off his clothes outside, and then just like digs in the dirt naked. And it's just like playing in the yard naked. Whatever. We've all just accepted it. It's fine. He took it up a notch and was scaling and walking along the fence no. naked. Oh, he also poops outside. <laughs> I mean, now I feel a lot better for my sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boys are sometimes just wild. Boys are wild. I do have one question that you may not know the answer to, but I just literally don't understand. So keep in mind, Elliot's like the definition of a recession baby. Like he was an infant, or not recession baby. <laughs> I was like, what? A pandemic baby. baby. He was born in like an infant when all of this started. And so he missed a lot of socialization opportunities like every other toddler his age did. Right. But I literally don't understand how... If you haven't been around other kids and you are literally gentle parenting, <laughs> how on earth your child like innately decides to like start hitting or biting? Literally, why? It's not just learned behavior. It's literally just emotion. So if you think about this is the visual that someone gave to me that was really helpful. We're a full grown adult with a big body, right? We're taller. We have longer limbs. We have all these things. And we have emotions that literally like flow through this big body that we have. They 
have literally those same level emotions in a much more compact space. And so like the pressure cooker effect is just a lot different. And so because they don't have the actual language to say, I'm pissed off right now, or I'm hurt, or I need attention, or I, whatever the need actually is, because it takes a while to teach them how to label that. And then for them to feel comfortable saying it, and then for you to respect what they're saying. So that's a whole learning curve in and of itself, but it literally like is overflowing in their skin and their fingertips and their bodies. And it comes out in that, like, like, I just need to like bite something. Cause like our brain, like, We don't know. It's the same thing that happens for different reasons when it's actually scientifically proven that like when you see a little baby and and you want to like, like not eat them, but like bite them. It's because our brains are so overloaded with emotions of, I love this thing, but this thing is so cute that your brain is like, eat it, like take a bite out of it. Cause that's like how I want to show that emotion. And so it's like, when you like nom on little infants elbows or their cheeks or whatever, like that's what that's doing for toddlers, but for like all of their emotions. I'm just fascinated. Cause it's just, you know, so much of it observing from the sidelines, you think, oh, that's the kind of thing people pick up in school or pick up because they're around other kids. And it's like, like, he doesn't have any sort of exposure to that anywhere. <laughs> so why? <laughs> His little body doesn't know what to do with those big feelings. I know. He is getting more and more self-aware. It's really funny. Like he told my sister the other day, I don't want to wear those shoes today. They're too fancy for me. Hey, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, fancy. And then he'll say things are bummers or he's sad. And, you know, he is better at asking for things. He doesn't always know how to ask, but he tries. And it's just funny because he obviously has like some texture and some like sensory things going on. But anyway, I just find it like all kids do too. Like Penny has some weird ones also. And she's like a blanket fiend and just wants all of the soft things. And like, she has refused since she could even verbalize it, that she does not want to wear denim. Like she hates denim, hates it with a passion. And so I can't even get her the like leggings that look like denim because she'll see the denim effect. And she's like, Nope, I don't want jeans. I'm like, okay. So she just like, doesn't wear jeans. (laughs) Doesn't like them. I think that's so funny. Well, unrelated, but Definitely still timely because, you know, we're in this world and the world keeps changing around us and we're all simultaneously going through similar things. And whether you have children or not, that's not really the point. As much as we've collectively gone through the pandemic together, we are now collectively going through what is likely the next recession. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't think anyone's quite called it yet. But I feel like everyone I talk to saying that like it's not gonna happen and like they're raising interest rates to like counteract it. And Brian tries to explain it to me from like the banking perspective sure. and finance perspective. And I'm like, that just hurts my brain. I don't understand any of that. And so I don't know if it for sure guaranteed gonna happen or when it's gonna happen or if it's gonna happen. But regardless, right. <laughs> I think regardless whether it's going to fully happen or not, whether we're fully in one or not, people because they sense it might be coming or we're on the road to a recession, are people changing are changing. Yeah, people are changing their behaviors. And so we want to talk today about 
what it looks like to recession proof your business mm-hmm. when you've consistently been seeing success and perhaps you haven't been in business long enough to have been through the last one. Well, and I think you're, you're, yeah, and you're asking yourself like, okay, if, if like literally nothing changes, we'll be fine. But as like an established CEO and someone who's probably been through the pandemic, at least with your business, right? you know that, or at least I hope you know, or you can take away from this episode, that it is critical for you to be adaptive and for you to be aware of different opportunities, even if they aren't in like perfect alignment with how you saw everything coming together. This is again, and I'll probably bring it up every episode until the day I die. The lesson I want you all to learn of learning outcomes versus goals. And we did a whole episode about it. So you should definitely go listen to it. But it's the concept of like, think about the overall aspect of what you want the point in time to be. How do you want to be functioning? How much money do you need? Overall, what is the outcome? Not here's how it has to look to get there. Because the part that successful CEOs understand is that the journey, the decisions, the actions, the projects, the clients, the offers, the pricing, the messaging, everything leading up to the outcome can be tweaked and can be changed. And it can ebb and flow with the needs of the market, the needs of you as a person, your energy levels, your workload, your support, like everything can impact that. Yeah. And I think if we look at our business in a bubble, we can have a bit of a problem because what I want to encourage you to be thinking about is maybe your world isn't as affected, but what if your support systems world is, or what if the person you're selling to's world is, or we just need to be aware of the outside consequences as well as the internal ones and prepare for, for situations. And so I think as a responsible CEO, if we are sitting in this seat, I want you to like put aside the other hats you're wearing in your business for a second and be thinking about as a CEO, it's not just about vision casting, but it's about future forecasting finances. And we need to be looking at what potential changes or challenges are we going to run into? And you know, I do want you to be thinking about a month from now, three months from now. But when we're talking about recession proofing, we need to be thinking about six months, a year, 18 months, two years, because these things don't necessarily bounce back at the same rate as other events do. And so we need to be preparing for and then be willing to like sit in a new season for a while. And so when we're looking at recession proofing, one of the things I really want you to be focused on internally, like even if you've been consistently booked out to this point, what potential buying behaviors are going to be changing for your ideal client? And one of the things you need to keep in mind is your ideal client's buying behavior is going to be affected by like the bracket they're in. So, you know, if we're talking about B2C and we're looking at consumers, if you're looking at someone who's like middle income, it's going to be pretty different than someone who you've been selling in the luxury market. Okay. Well, if you're selling in the luxury market, not that their priorities won't change, they will, but like you might not see as a big a swing as some other markets might. And, and so, if you're B2B, it's kind of the same concept of the type of business that you work with 
or who your point of contact is within that business. We've talked about this before where the higher up you're able to bring your relationship and communication and results to within the business that you might be working with. Like what was the example you gave instead of someone in like a department, if they're like a backend support or if they're an admin or if they're like support staff, if if it's someone they would potentially outsource to lower down within their company and your service is related to helping their job. Right. How can we up level? How can we make it more important to someone higher up within the company? Well, and what I want you to be paying attention to throughout this whole conversation is this isn't a brand new audience. It is not a brand new offer. It's a tweak in your messaging, maybe who you're talking to within the same industry, perhaps even within the same company or unit, like networking circle, right? It's how can you change slightly what or how you're offering and delivering your thing to make it a hotter commodity for this market. Right. So if we're looking at how is your ideal client being affected, we can start to assess how might their buying behavior with my existing offer, if I change absolutely nothing, how will it be affected? And we obviously are making a lot of assumptions here because like we're future forecasting. The goal is to predict before it's happened. And without having the full information, we have to be able to prepare for and potentially make some changes. So I would continue to sell what's actively working for you. But that doesn't mean you might not look at adding or having additional kind of backup plans like within your kind of purview. And so one of the things I really want you to consider is of your current offer, how necessary, like how high of a need is it serving for your ideal clients? Is it serving a need or is it serving a want? Is it really addressing a painful part of their existence or is it a nice to have? Well, and the filter you'll have to put this through also is some of you will sell nice to have things to hot commodity markets in this arena, in this weird climate that we're in, where your thing might have seem frivolous, might seem extra, but that industry, those crowds of buyers is growing in a recession type market. And so you won't have to pivot or tweak as much. Whereas other people, if the thing that you're selling to, those are the particular people that are tightening up the purse strings. Can we tweak that offer to be a little bit more urgent? Yeah. So I'd love to consider some examples here on like, what is the nice to have version versus the version that is maybe a bit more needed all the time. The one that came to mind immediately is a very goofy. So I'm trying to avoid <laughs> say <laughs> it. I, well, when you specifically said maybe it's a nice to have, but it's addressing something that is a commodity, like no one could have predicted during the pandemic that there'd be a run on toilet paper. I mean, maybe <laughs> someone could have predicted. but. I really would have liked to have been in the bidet market (laughs) when there was a run on toilet paper. Yeah. And so, but it's a nice to have. Yeah. And I think, and another example I can provide is something like, so when the pandemic happened and inflation is happening and the cost of 
goods and services across the board are skyrocketing for a lot of people. It might have been a nice to have five years ago to be in the like home garden, vegetable, herb, urban garden learning space. Sure. It is a much hotter commodity right now than it might have been in years prior. And so really understanding the market and the headspace of where people are at, what services we can provide people who are learning and implementing on different scales. So like if you have been in that market previously and you've been chatting to a certain type of customer or serving them with a certain messaging, it's maybe that messaging that needs to shift because it's a little bit more urgent of a need right now for some people to be like, Ooh, I want to start to like, I need to start growing some food for my family here. Like I need to kind of figure out some of these skills and get this set up. Or maybe it's a, a business that wants to prioritize that in their space at their like literal offices or whatever. I think that there's a couple of different areas that you can think about the thing that you offer again to the people who it's a little bit more pressing need for right now. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. 
Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah. So I think for the example you just provided on the like growing food, like gardening has always kind of appealed to a market that has more time on their hands, perhaps. And so not necessarily older, but just like you hobby garden, you know, but you might change that messaging to be focused on how someone with less time (laughs) can get started with ease Mm -hmm. so that they can grow their own fruits and vegetables. And I think stuff like that, you may grow the audience, but it's still like within the same level. Like, cause I think the mistake that could be made is that you try to change the economic point. So like you try to make it more affordable when that may not necessarily be the goal at all. Right. Yes. I definitely want people to be thinking about that because I absolutely know the inclination is to be like, okay, well, if people are tightening their purse strings, I need to make a cheaper offer. And it makes sense for some of you. I'm not saying it doesn't. Where then you're going to have to play the quantity game, right? And that's a different beast. But I want you to at least take a pause on that before you decide to go that route. Because for some of you, niching up, scaling up your offer might be the thing that you need to do. It's different for everyone. The other thing I want you to think about is, again, I think this is a natural inclination and it got brought up a lot in coaching yesterday when we're wanting to diversify our, our how we make money within our business. So we're diversifying who our offer serves and maybe the price and who we're working with in order to get leads, right? I want you to start, I want you to really put the decisions that you're making through a filter of, is this a long game or a short game? Because right now you need to be in the short game. You need to be in the quick and the dirty and the pivot and the tweak and you try and you throw spaghetti at the wall and you assess with your expertise and you put it up against everything else you've done in your business so far and you make decisions and you pivot. What I'm seeing is some people are like, okay, I need to maybe expand into an additional market. So I'm going to like create a freebie or I'm going to drop off a flyer or I'm going to just like let them know that I maybe sort of kind of have this service. And I'm talking like rip the bandaid off, pick up the phone. We need to have coffee. Give me some people. Like yeah. that's the urgency. The, that needs- the difference can't be in this. It's not a put the feelers out there kind of time. No, no. It's how do I sell immediately with this new messaging? Or how do I sell immediately this variation on my offer? How do I sell immediately this variation on the problem I'm solving or this new way I'm talking about solving the problem? Because the goal is for you to get as much new data as quickly as possible because most people in a recession are not necessarily going to land on the perfect <laughs> with next the first attempt with the first attempt. They're going to take variations. Tell me what you did. And I'm going to be so excited to, to read your case study, but I'm like, that's what I mean by throwing spaghetti at the wall, but it's throwing spaghetti at the wall with an expert lens of, you know what you're doing. You yeah. know how to sell, you know how to serve. We just got to like 
the difference is, you know, like example, like don't necessarily go changing all these things on your website, literally sell it to the next person. And then for the person after that, email. make some tweaks based on the conversations you've had. And then for the next person, you make a few more tweaks. And then maybe now you're ready to make some changes on your site. Like, but you can't just immediately assume you've landed on the perfect scenario that's going to work for everyone and make sense and all these different things that are right. going to pop up. Yep. You know, I think a good lens to put this through, you know, we've talked about making sure, like assessing your ideal client, how are they affected? What are they going through? We've talked about looking at the messaging. I also want you to be considering, does the offer itself solve a problem that is urgent enough or are we... I know I said the nice to have, but like, I really want you to dig into the like, is this a pain point or is this going to be something that people know, like deprioritize? And, you know, we've had this conversation about the offer being a pain pill versus a vitamin. And I think when people are in this tough position, regardless of how they got there or how it's really affecting them personally, they will immediately in a defense kind of mode will like remove some of the things that are unnecessary and like have a more focused approach. And if they're going to have a more focused approach, then I want you to consider, are you going to be a part of that focus or are you going to fall to the wayside? And if you're not going to be a part of their focus, then how can we then take advantage of those other things Emily is talking about? Like tweak the messaging, tweak who it's more important to, but also you might need to tweak the offer itself. Mm -hmm. And I'm not... We know successful seven-figure business owners who did this because of the pandemic, right? Like they were in one space, they stayed in that space, but tweaked the actual deliverables that they were giving and just blew up because the market was ready for that kind of thing. I think you should share the specific example. Okay. Yeah. I was just like, should I? It's okay that I'm just like, I'm hyping her up. Okay. Denitra, y'all need to know her and follow her. She's at Savvy Events out in California. Prior to pandemic, she was well known in her space for luxury events. We're talking like, you're going to drop some money on your 40th birthday. It's a baby shower. It's an engagement party, like weddings, beautiful, extravagant, luxurious, Lovely high-end intimate events. High-end, right? Well, then the freaking pandemic hit. And especially out in California where they were like really strict really early on, events came to a halt. So it could have been her entire business came to a halt. But because she's a smart business owner and a CEO who's like, all right, I know my expertise. I have connections. I'm already in the luxury market. What's a different thing that I could offer? So she pivoted to... I should just look these up to see what they're actually called, but like they're influencer boxes, press boxes. So imagine like Netflix is launching a new show and they want to have a party about that, whether that be with a very small, intimate group of people who are all like vaccinated and tested, or it's virtual, or it's like they're sending it out to everyone. And then they're just like celebrating collectively as a group. They're like, 
beautiful custom boxes with stuff inside that has been custom made for that show, for the stars, for the celebrities, whatever. And Denitra curates that box, designs it, puts stuff inside of it, package it, ships it, gets it to the people who needs to have it. And she's then like since been able, since stuff has opened up, been able to intertwine that into like in-person events as well. But what it did was completely shift where the money comes from to the thing that the market's demanding right now. And her in-person events scaled down because that's what makes sense. And it's completely shifted the future and landscape of her business. And I think that's the part that people get so intimidated by. They're like, what if my current offer today cannot withstand the market changes? What if it can't? What if she's never in in in-person events in the way that she used to be? Okay, I think that's the mistake I see people make is they assume, well, I just got to shut it down. And it's like, you're successful. Like yeah. you've taken it so far. Let's put our why, thinking cap on. Why wouldn't you pivot a little yeah. bit? Why wouldn't you make some tweaks? Why wouldn't you make some changes? Why wouldn't you explore an alternative offer? I think the key thing here with Denitra as an example, Denitra didn't change who she was talking to. Nope. She's still in the luxury She actually up-leveled, honestly. Significantly. (laughs) You know, it's not just the luxury market in California for the everyday consumer. She's specifically talking to some of the biggest producers in the world. At Paramount, Hulu, BET, like those are her clients now. Where she's saying no to extravagant 40th birthdays because that's not big enough for her anymore. Right. How cool is that? That's you, amazing. You wouldn't have even known. No, you wouldn't have even known. And so I would say in the interim, don't drop what's currently working. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be developing or considering other options or, or looking at ways to expand in other ways. You know, in a growth economy, I typically would suggest that you narrow in and you really focus and you have one primary offer that you're pushing out into the world and you take this growth economy as an opportunity to optimize, create efficiencies, productize, really have this be your growth vehicle. But in a recession, diversification is your best mode to protect yourself and your business. And so one of my favorite approaches is as you're looking at your offer, you can make these tweaks to make it make sense in the world we're living in today. You can also look at who are the people that are already working with you and willing to spend money with you right now. Yeah. What else can you offer them now? Because the easiest customer to acquire is the one you already have. Yes. And in a recession market, you want to, as weird as it can sound and as like, bizarre as it can maybe sit with you, it is easier to make more money off of the same person than it is to go look for other people. And And that's true always, but it's even more true now. Yeah, absolutely. And so think about additional offers. So a client of ours is in, you know, during the pandemic, got into online events and is continuing to do these incredible team building events where she is mailing out cookie kits and people are decorating cookies and like having these bonding experiences over zoom. And it's really fun and creative. She's a messy cookie on Instagram. If yeah. you want to see what she's about. Christina's fantastic. And the thing that she mentioned the other day on coaching was like, you know, Hey, I'm 
also doing a lot of these side projects because people are mentioning it. Like she has a cookie printer, which is just (laughs) a story for another day. Mm -hmm. But she started doing these logo cookies and she's like, I really feel like I could do more of that. And I was like, again, in a growth period, I would say focus on creating the efficiencies around these events. Focus on landing more clients doing the same thing as much as possible. But we're approaching a season where that's not true. Mm -hmm. So in a recession period, how can you focus on selling more to these people? And I was like, absolutely. Like, if you have four or five different types of projects that you're actively doing, that are still appeals to that large corporate client, you need to get that on your website. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying it needs to be perfect. I don't, you don't need a massive no. landing page. They just no. need to know it's even an option. Yep. Again, staying in her zone, staying in her expertise, but offering the same offer up in a different delivery to higher level people. And this is what I want you to begin thinking about within your service. And I know it can be hard to have these conversations on your own. I think they're actually impossible to have on your own. And I also know that sometimes we rely on the advice of people who aren't in the ring with us. And you guys have heard that, right? I think, was it Brene Brown who said that? Someone was like, if you're not in here getting your ass kicked in this arena, then I don't want to hear your opinion about it. And honestly, this is one of those times where I really need you to have that filter on because your mama loves you, your best friend loves you, your neighbor loves you. And if they're not in here getting their ass kicked in this arena, then their opinion, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Or it's not that it doesn't matter, but they're not aware of all the consequences. They don't see the bigger picture. They're always, especially those people that care about you, are going to take the least risky option that protects you the most. Yep. And sometimes risk is an important thing to take. Yeah. But, you know, I would take the advice of other people that are also in business, the advice of people that are understanding of your industry, the nuances of your specific offer. And you need to pick who you're taking advice from, especially now. Yeah. So if you want a sounding board for that, one, our DMs are always open. Seriously, it's the free way to talk to us. And we're in there. Our team is in there. Abby's in there. I would love to hear your thoughts. So you can always start there. We also have trainings. We have resources. We have a community. We have coaching. We have ways to work you through this because I think sometimes, and I talked about this in coaching of how in times of overwhelm and scarcity in the climate, it causes us to come in on ourselves and just like keep our head down, our eyes on our own paper and focus. And that is, I want, I would have that advice for you in an abundant climate, but since we're not in that right now, it is your time to actually expand and look up and look around and start taking in some other perspectives and start just word vomiting your ideas and brainstorming with people who can provide a sounding board and feedback for you to open up what those possibilities could look like. One of the things I want you to make sure you put the lens on before we wrap this up is even if we fully dive into this recession, even if that absolutely becomes a reality, I want you to know that does not mean your business has to go backwards. Right. 
your business could grow during this period. When I say a growth period versus a recession period, I'm talking about the economy at large. I'm not talking about you and your own business. You could be making more money than ever because you have a more focused approach. You know exactly who you're talking to. You're really clear at solving that pain. Use this as your opportunity to expand, like Emily said, but not just expand in the like the amount of offers you have. Expand in the like literally use this as is an opportunity to fully be yourself and so many other people are going to run away scared. I'm excited for what it could mean for so many of you and also know (laughs) that it could also be a time where you are very clear on what you want and need and use this as a period to also rest. So like there is not a right or wrong answer or approach here, but I just want you to know that it doesn't have to mean backwards. Right. Right. It could mean stable, sustainable, or it could mean growth. You get to choose. There's so many possibilities open for you. And I'm excited for how you're going to approach this new season. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.